Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Connections That Matter. I'm Sarah Kadava, Solutions Design Specialist at ITA Group, with a focus on employer branding. And employer branding is just what we're going to continue to talk about today with our marketing expert and my fantastic colleague, Christina Zurich. All of these episodes were recorded from our home to account for social distancing instead of a fancy in-person studio. Thanks so much for your understanding on the sound quality. Christina, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Happy to be back. So far in this series, we have talked at a macro view of what employer branding is and why employers should focus on implementing one. And I kind of want to continue that conversation at that higher level for just a little bit before I'm going to get us down into the weeds. So making a successful employer brand, I think, can seem a bit like cracking a secret code. At least at times, it can be daunting. Christina, could you unlock some of the key components of employer brands that make one successful? Yeah, you know, I I would say my belief is that if you can find a way to tell an employer brand story that helps people understand cultural norms, is authentic to what they actually experience, and helps them relate to each other, you're really checking all those main boxes that you need to for it to be successful. And I know that that might sound oversimplified for some of the stuff that we've gotten into, but really, you know, that's what it shakes down to. And and absolutely, I mean, there are a lot of tactics and tricks and things like that to to get there. But really, at the end of the day, it's about reinforcing that connection at the organizational level and at the individual level. So I want to shift and dial in our focus a little bit because we haven't really talked about how this looks from the lens of an employee. And ultimately, that's who we're trying to communicate to and who we're trying to connect with. Um, Do you have any best practices or research that might help um, kind of a secret code of sorts (laughs) um, on what makes employees want to stay or remain loyal to a company, maybe specific to employer branding? but also overall. You know, because there's just so many things that motivate and engage people. But I will say what I love about employer branding is that it does help you kind of narrow your focus and figure out um, how specifically you can use that as a tool to help retain people and and help them stay loyal and engaged for your company. Um, And so, you know, as far as the research out there, one thing that we really lean into uh, is some proprietary research that we did at ITA um, that we call the psychological benefit framework. Um, this is again something that I could go on forever and ever about. So I'm going to try to hit it at like the thirty thousand foot level. But basically, um, we use principles of social psychology to help validate and better understand what it is that ultimately retains employees. What do they care about? Um, But more than that, what do they care about so much that it's going to make them want to actually be an advocate for your organization, too? Um, And so I'm sure you can appreciate how well that aligns with employer branding and what organizations are often trying to do with those employer branding campaigns. Um, And so, you know, I'd say this is particularly relevant in terms of cracking that code and, and kind of what that methodology is that we lean into. Um, and specifically within that, we lean into what we call the identity benefits. Um, and basically what those help us understand is how people socially and culturally identify with the organization. Is there anything that really has stuck out in 
the research on the identity benefits that would help our listeners dig in even further to make sure that their brand is hitting on all of the the key points that employees need? So I would say the two most important elements of culture that we evaluate when applying the psychological benefit framework to an organization is we want to really understand two dimensions of culture. One is the appeal of it. Um, So do people actually like what they're experiencing? And the other would be the clarity of it, kind of how consistent is the culture. And so what I think is really important about both of those dimensions is that they both need to be pretty strong in order for you to ultimately succeed at kind of where we started this chat of trying to create a culture that people connect to, way that people connect with each other and with leaders and really to the brand itself. And so that's really what we try to dig into and figure out what is the culture? Do people like it? And is it consistent? And those two pretty big questions uh, will help us usually unearth some area of opportunity as it relates to this type of an initiative. I'm only laughing because I'm going to date myself with my next question. So there was a Mel Gibson movie a few years ago called What Women Want. And I'm going to ask something similar with what do employees want from these employer brands? What have we uncovered when we've listened in on these surveys or even done focus groups? Do you have kind of some best practices that or key themes that have come out of those conversations? Yeah, I would say more often than not, um, we find that people don't feel like a culture is consistent. Uh, They're pretty quick to point fingers at different departments who may be run by different rules or have different attitudes um, or even maybe some inconsistency in terms of how maybe layers of leadership act in the organization versus uh, individual contributors. Um, I'd say those are two of the biggest gaps that we often will see. Um, You know, what's interesting is that's a tough line to balance because it's actually not a bad thing. If you see a little bit of inconsistency, it's when it gets grossly out of hand um, that you need to kind of reel it in. So for example, I think it's completely fine for there to be some subtle variation within an organization in terms of how things get done because different roles need different norms and behaviors. Um, Where it could maybe become an issue is if there's a lot of negativity coming out of one area of the organization um, or or something along those lines where it's just really skewed. Traeger Grills, um, for anybody who's not familiar with them, they are um, probably one of my favorite, most controversial stories um, of of how this whole thing can manifest. And they're this uh, specialized grill manufacturer. Um, And they had recently appointed a new CEO a few years back. Um, And he realized pretty quickly, his his gut was telling him that there were some underlying cultural issues um, that were causing a lot of tension within the organization. And so they actually um, had to make this tough decision that they were going to outsource some of their uh, warehousing and, and trucking operations which was going to displace some workers, uh, something that I think we all can relate to right now with the, the struggles that organizations are going through. But what was different there was that people weren't just angry. Uh, they actually set a truck on fire and were in the process of forming a mob um, before they were able to shut that down. Um, so obviously an example of one area of the organization um, really having uh, some cultural difficulty um, here. And so 
you know, their CEO, uh, Jeremy Andrews, has talked about this before as, you know, this was that signal point to him um, in a very visceral way uh, that there was just this crazy degree of misalignment in the organization. And so um, I would say he did uh, probably a little more of an extreme revolution than we typically see. Um, but even he took the time to kind of go through some of these best practices. So first sat down and tried to you know, assess the current state trying to draw in data, trying to talk to as many people as he could. Um, he didn't want to make this journey toward this kind of cultural transformation without having all of the data at hand to better understand what they were going to do and how they needed to proceed. Um, and ultimately, you know, it, it was a complete overhaul. They came out with a new mission, new values. Um, and honestly, it flopped when they just did that because it wasn't enough. Uh, they actually realized that you can rule, you can, you know, bring this new mission and these new values out. And if you still don't have the right mentality, if you still don't have that right balance of consistency in the organization, they're never going to adopt to that. And so a few years down the line, they're doing much better, but it literally took a moving of the headquarters to a different state. Uh, it took a lot of training. It took a complete rebrand of uh, what it means to uh, internalize and actually act out on those behaviors that they could teach people. Um, and, you know, it, it came with some people moving on to a different organization too that maybe was a better fit for them. Um, so I'd say that's probably the most extreme example, but I think it's important to hear that some organizations have gone through that type of change uh, just because they have recognized the importance of having uh, that reasonable degree of, of cultural consistency and cultural clarity. So on one hand, there's buy-in. And I think something that's a little bit different is a, like a grassroots groundswell of positivity and excitement um, to really get behind a brand. So are there any different thoughts on how to get employees excited about this new brand that's being rolled out? Involve them in the process. Help them, you know, co-create it with you. Um, but obviously, especially in a large, complex organization, that can be tough to do um, with everybody. And so that's where you need to take credit for the work that you did do up front. And what I mean by that is show examples of how you've tapped into actual workers from your company um, to help create what it is that you're doing. Uh, don't use stock photos of people ever when you're talking about your own employees. Um, that's one easy rule to follow. But what I've seen a lot more of lately is video footage. And I love it. I love the way that brands are going out there and they are showing examples of um, an employee talking about maybe a challenge that they've overcome in their career there and how that has helped them to be a better employer, help them to lock into their purpose for the organization. Um, so that's one thing I love seeing. And I think that employees learn so well from each other. And so it creates this kind of groundswell of excitement um, that's absolutely critical to the successful launch of, of a messaging campaign like this. So I'd say that's definitely a top tip. Um, the other thing that I would say is 
look at how you can continue to reinforce that messaging at different points in the employee journey. Um, so what I mean by that is obviously everybody in your organization comes from a different perspective in terms of how long they've been with the organization, what are they going through currently in their professional uh, life with their organization, what are their current engagement levels at, um, all of those things are important to factor in. And so I always recommend that uh, clients sit down and we kind of work through journey mapping for kind of some common scenarios of let's maybe look at somebody who is new to the organization versus let's look at somebody who's been there for a few years and maybe is looking for a you know different move internally um, and trying to figure out their growth pattern. And let's look at somebody who's been there for years and years and they're pretty comfortable where they're at, but maybe they uh, might be a little harder to convince of some of these new behaviors behaviors or, or norms that you're trying to roll out. And so by really sitting down and thinking through, kind of putting on your, your glasses to be in the shoes of those people, um, you can sit back and think about different ways that you can reach each of them that are going to resonate more based on where they're at in that life cycle. And so I think it's really through that personalization um, and that personalized outreach that you can make some great strides in terms of tapping into some of those people who maybe um, might be a little harder to reach or, or might just need to hear a little different message for it to resonate with them. So we've talked about what gets employees excited. Now we need to talk about what will get your leadership excited and what will get them to go all in on an employer brand strategy. Internally, how can our listeners convince any naysayer stakeholders um, that investing in an employer brand is worth it? You know, I mean, I think you have to lock in on hard numbers. Uh, I wish that we all lived in a world where great ideas just could uh, be moved forward with um, because they sound good. Um, but the reality is we're all working at organizations who are having to justify investment um, now more than ever. And so I think that, you know, that's always my advice when talking to an organization who's looking about into this is look at what are the hard numbers that you're looking to actually impact. Um, and I think it's important to look beyond just the talent acquisition savings. I've, I've talked before about how so many times that's where this kind of type of activity gets focused in on, but it has such a potential for so much larger impact. And so I think that that's where when you really sit back and you can think about how is this going to impact overall engagement, that's when you can really start to back into some of those big numbers that can help justify um, doing an initiative like this. Like even for, I mean, think about if you're a large organization and you're able to reduce your turnover by just 1% because your people feel more connected and more engaged as a result of the storytelling that you're doing. That's going to really go a long way in terms of helping you uh, to build that buy-in for investing in something like this. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is don't be scared to start off um, a little smaller than maybe you would like. Um, it's good to have a vision for where you want to go. But when I look at what some of the most successful employer brands have done out there, they started small. They were scrappy. They begged, borrowed, and stole from other marketing efforts. Um, they you know, created these kind of guerrilla efforts from internally to help build that advocacy for it. And so, uh, you know, I'd say weigh that as well. So while you have a, a great vision for where you want to get to, it's okay to take that one step at a time. If you had to select some metrics, though, that employer branding could help these companies with to help them 
sell this in internally as a must have, what would some of those metrics be? You know, I think obviously, like I said, a lot of the maturity in this space is tied to talent acquisition. So you can certainly look at factors like um, cost to hire or time to hire or how many referrals are you getting in from current employees who now you can uh, hire new employees uh, at a more reasonable um, time and, and rate. Um, so all of those are good indicators that you can look at. But again, I think that there's such a, a bigger impact uh, to be had from an effective employer brand strategy. And that's when you really can look at how satisfied and engaged are your current employees? What does that added engagement end up creating for you, whether that's improved customer experience. We all know that happy, engaged employees provide better service to their customers. So you can absolutely look at a metric like customer satisfaction or customer retention. I think you can look certainly too at the retention of the employees you have. I know we're in a little bit of a, a strange time right now, but if you rewind the tape and think back to six months ago, nobody was talking about anything except for retention of top talent and the war for talent because everybody knows that there is a labor shortage. Right now, it feels a little different because we've had to make some of these really tough uh, decisions when it comes to labor force fluctuation. But rest assured, it's going to come back around because the reality remains we literally do not have enough human bodies that are around and able to do the number of jobs that are necessary in the future. And so that shortage is going to be here for years and years to come. And so retention will become the name of the game again. And that's why I think if if I'm advising a client, I always say, really look at how are you retaining your current employees and, and how can telling a more effective employer brand story to them uh, help increase their connection to your company, help improve their alignment to you know a shared purpose as an organization, because really that's what we're seeing is going to drive the future of employer retention. So I guess I have a pop quiz for you, Christina, and it's an easy one. Uh, true or false that you can use quantitative data and statistics to help with your employer brand message development. Totally true. Um, I think it's interesting because a lot of times people assume that a creative undertaking like employer branding um, only relies on, you know, like in some cases I've heard them say like, it's just a gut feeling I have. Um, absolutely not. I think that there is a wealth of quantitative and qualitative data that can inform your strategy. Um, and Specifically, I would say on quantitative data, doing some kind of broad uh, survey or fielding of responses from your employees can help you figure out at the highest level what some of those key trends or topics are that you need to lock into. And so I always, always, always recommend to an uh, organization who's looking to do this that they need to gather that feedback and they need to gather it from as many people as they possibly can. And so when you're a large organization, Quantitative research is, is absolutely the most uh, feasible way of obtaining that. How exactly, like brass tacks, how do you actually go about doing that? Great question. Uh, so there's a wealth of feedback collection um, going on out in the market at this point in terms of whether that's pulse surveying or focus groups or, or full-scale engagement surveys. Uh, and all of those things are really great, but they're probably not capturing the degree of information that you need for something like this. So I definitely, first and foremost, recommend having a specific effort where you're trying to collect feedback just for employer brand purposes. 
Um, but otherwise, those methods of outreach are still very viable to explore. I'd say most commonly, we're doing a combination of qualitative and quantitative. So typically, uh, broad surveying of the organization to discern um, major trends or areas of opportunity, and then following up with focus groups or interviews where then you can really dig into those and better understand what is it that was driving uh, that feedback and where can we be tighter with our messaging? What is it that we should be highlighting? Um, and so that kind of combination gives you that sweet spot of being able to, to gather the right degree of feedback with enough specificity to actually act on it. Uh, one of my favorite examples of how a brand has done this really well a uh, number of times is Heineken. Uh, they have really stepped up their employer branding efforts in the past few years. And what I love about it is they start every single time with research in their markets. And so typically what they do, because they are this large global organization, um, is they choose... 10 to 15, maybe 20 different markets um, around the world where they go and they actually talk to their people in each of those markets. And so what's nice about that is it ends up resulting in uh, a messaging framework that is going to resonate no matter where people are located, which can be tough to do. And so that's why that step is, is so important. Um, and, you know, what I think has been really cool to see happen with them is how they do have these common themes rise to the top. And so right now, if you go out and follow them, they're talking a lot about basically these three key words, um, adventure, friends, and fame. And that's what rose to the top in all of those different markets. That's kind of what everybody told them that they love about the brand. And so that's how they've really locked in on those. And they're, they're using that consistently in their messaging. So really cool example of how you can go kind of from the, the highest level um, down to the more granular and make a cool story out of it. So I'm going to um, take us from the front end strategy and gathering data to thinking with the end in mind. And um, how can we tell if an employer brand was actually successful after the fact? You know, certainly it depends on what your goal was of what you were trying to brand. So if it's something where it was more focused on talent acquisition, obviously you would tap into some metrics that are more like cost to hire, time to hire, your ratings against competitors. But if you were actually trying to better understand um, how you could, you know, more effectively unite your people and align them around that shared sense of purpose and, and help them see why you're an employer of choice, I think that that's really when you would look at some metrics like retention or ENPS or kind of like their willingness to uh, refer your company to others. Um, even engagement scores, I've seen some companies stretch it even to include like profitability measures or customer NPS, knowing that happier, more engaged employees will provide better service. So it really kind of depends on what that question was that you were trying to support from the beginning. Um, but ultimately, you know, any successful brand, you need to make sure that you're involving some kind of quantitative analysis at the end to validate uh, what it was that you look to do, because this is not uh, a soft science. I think it's something that can absolutely be measured. And then that by showing the impact that you're creating, that's how you can really continue to justify the work that you're doing for the organization. I know we're all pushed to do more with less sometimes. And so those hard numbers to help you prove that return on an initiative like this are just so important. I can't emphasize that enough. 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. As we wrap up our second episode, let's recap some key takeaways on employer branding. Be authentic. Tap into your people for feedback to determine what questions you need to answer and issues you need to solve. There is no one size fits all with employer branding. Sometimes you just need small tweaks and sometimes you need a complete overhaul. And while this may seem like a soft science, take it from Christina, myself, and all of our colleagues at ITA Group, that you can absolutely use hard data to prove the value of an employer brand initiative. Thanks again to Christina for joining me, and thank you for tuning in. I hope you're getting lots of valuable information that you can take back to your team. We do have one episode left, and in that, we'll talk about how to get started implementing an employer brand. And I just can't wait to dive into it. But until then, have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.